And here's the interesting part. When you own an NFT, and now I can only describe my own subjectivity here because it's about emotions. Um, but what is, is interesting that it feels really different to own an NFT. And if you own an NFT and then meet persons that have an NFT from the same co collection, it seems that then um, it speeds up the relationship process. You feel connected to this person right more. This episode of Untold Stories is sponsored by Angel Block. You'll hear more about them later on in this episode. So first of all, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. I'm Charlie Schramm, your host, but you're not listening to Untold Stories anymore. We're actually changing the name of this show to The Charlie Schramm Show. And this is like probably the first episode of The Charlie Schramm Show. So welcome, everyone. To the Charlie Shrimp Show. Wow. Like waiting for like an applause, but there's no one in the room. I should have hired some people or whatever. I'm very that's excited. A... Uh, we've been we've been doing the show for almost four years uh, as untold stories. And our and our network, our umbrella company is still untold stories. So that's not gonna change. Hopefully, we'll be able to we're we're actually in the works of like two or three investigative crime thriller type of podcasts that are going to be limited series, like 10 or 13 episodes, where we're going to be doing. I'm actually excited to tell you that today because you're, you know, you're in the in, in the film and in content creation world. But we're going to be doing like some really cool stuff. I don't want to even like tease the ideas because some other people will take it. But because of a lot of the people that I know in the space, especially some of the early Bitcoin and crypto OGs that kind of have went silent during the 2013, 2014 bear market, there's a lot of there's a lot of stories where the holes need to be filled and there's a lot of gaps that were filled with rumor and intrigue, but there's the truth that will come out about the early days of Bitcoin and crypto. And I'm excited to be able to tell some of those stories, especially bring back a lot of the guests that we've had over the years, but spend more than like 45 minutes with them. Like I want to spend a few days with these guests. I want to, um, understand deeply like why they decided to jump ship and do what they did or how they got into the industry, but like who they are and their eating habits and their sleeping and their spending time habits. And I want to understand people uh, because along the way, I've met some of the craziest uh, uh, people that because of uh, became known as like the Bitcoin guy all over the world through, you know, notoriety and, and, and infamy. And I use, you know, infamy because uh, it was thrust upon me by the government when I was arrested in, in 2014. That's when I became, and I got out of jail. All of a sudden, I was this like really big person. Uh, and the only reason I bring that up is because uh, I'm excited to have been able to give back to the community by doing these shows uh, and continuing to be in the space. Uh, I'm looking forward to being able to, to give you guys shows ad-free over the next uh, uh, hopefully a few months too. So that'll be really exciting. And I just want to give a lot of gratitude to like the team that's been behind untold stories over the last, uh, three and a half years. That's, that's still with us. And, uh, you guys are amazing. And to the listeners, you guys have been tremendous over the last few years and we have some amazing shows coming up. The, uh, we're going to be bringing on some great guests. Uh, Jan, uh, Jan, thank you so much for coming on, on untold stories today. We were just, just talking about eating, how it's uh, it's an inconvenience to be hungry, right? And I was like, we should talk about that 
on the show a little bit because I don't like to be hungry sometimes. So first, uh, thanks so much, Charlie, for, for having me. <laughs> it's, it's amazing and big honor that I'm now here at the Charlie Schramm Show. Yeah. And I'm super excited uh, about what's to come, what truths get into the daylight. Maybe we will hear more about people that we don't hear as much anymore. I don't know, maybe like Gavin and Reason or people like this. I'm just I just like, spoke to him a few weeks ago, actually. He oh, doesn't wow. talk to anyone anymore. Uh, yeah. he like, And that's like, you know... No, you know, when I got out of, when I got out in 2016, the industry had changed so much and Gavin disappeared. He was kicked out and I want, I need to investigate that story a lot more because all I know from what happened there was told from me by so many different parties. I'm super interested. I, I don't know the details. Cannot cannot comment on that. I just, uh, I'm excited what, what comes. I started the space in 2017. So this is when when those stories were basically Netflix documentaries. So this is yeah. how I got introduced to to um, the let's call them Bitcoin OGs and and the first pioneers here. Um, you uh you actually went to you studied at the University of Nicosia for the digital currencies uh, master's program. I, no, I did the I did the free course. It was uh, 2019, so uh, no, yeah, 2019, and it was just like when I, there were no books to read because I read m- many of them. <laughs> um, I wanted to learn more, and it was a free course with Andreas Antonopoulos as a teacher, and yeah, I did it, and it was great. That's actually why I brought that up because Andreas is someone that's been around since the early days. He's had such a profound effect on Bitcoin. Uh, since since day one, um, we had him here on the show, but he also like, I remember when that program was launched and he told me that education was everything. And that very early on, he was like, well, we were focused on just building out startups and businesses. He was focused on education. He's like, we need to create videos and courses and get credits. And we need to create developer hackathons and we need developers and people and and I didn't understand why. I said, no, we need to like start businesses now and, and grow this industry. And he said, people that are, we need to think long. The people that are going to build our industry in five years from now are going to be studying at our education now. But there's no education out there. You know, the, the courses that are being taught at these universities sometimes in the US are being taught by like people who don't really understand Bitcoin and crypto or really why this whole thing started in the first place. And that really kind of pisses me off. So Andreas really focused on starting our own educational institutions. He partnered with, with the University of Nicosia in, in Cyprus, and you took the course that he was part of the founding memory to actually taught. And here you are starting your own business movie shots out of what you've learned in the education. You are the proof that he was right. I, I mean, Andreas is, is just, one one of those persons where it would be amazing if the space is more of like it's the good in the space, the educators and all of that. I totally agree. I haven't really got the ability to talk about to talk about him in a while, and I do, and I miss him a lot. But you know, you you were in the film world. We actually met at the Cannes Film Festival, and you know, you you come from a, a video editing background. You're a professional video editor. That's what you 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 worked and you studied for for a long time. You're you were a blockchain enthusiast and an NFT collector, but what did what did Andreas teach you that allowed you to like say, "Hey, 
I'm going to take my passion and turn it into a crypto startup. So first, I, I just think Bitcoin and the technology behind it is amazing. And the education helps discovering that. And especially the university course, I just remember because it goes quite into detail, like not writing code or so, but quite into detail, really how, how everything works. And I always came up with, ah, but what is if this and this happen? Then Bitcoin fails. And I thought I was super clever. And the answer was always like, no, it can, it cannot fail. And if you are just like trying to find different ways how this technology can fail and for hundreds of times, it's like, no, can't fail. You get, you get a lot of trust into this technology and you're really also amazed by it. And yeah, uh, then I also went down a little bit the Austrian economics rabbit hole, read Saifedina Moose, and, and yeah, I became a complete crypto and blockchain geek and then connected with like-minded minds in Vienna. And this was a group of people who then made NFTs uh, called CryptoVina. And this was 2019. So 2019, we just did NFTs more in a playful way, just like to have fun uh, with art. And it was um, it was local art. And we made we, we basically took Austrian and Viennese culture and took them on, on the blockchain as NFTs. And it was one year later, uh, two years later, 2021, I was helping editing an independent film from a friend of mine. Um, at the same time, being an artist at CryptoVina. And I remember I just walked through the park to take a break from the editing room. And then the idea just like hit me, owning a piece of film as an NFT uh, and making that by, by an edit. And this idea never left my never left my mind, basically. And so the idea was, so you, a film has, when we talk about film editing, has between 1,000 and 2,000 hard cuts. So a film is made from camera shots, from one camera shot to the next, the close-up, the wide shot, the medium shot. And you could take the thing between two hard, hard cuts and make an NFT out of it. And then the whole collection would basically represent the whole film on chain. And if you have an NFT, you have one part of the film as a collectible. And so this was the first idea to do it with this film. And this idea grew bigger and bigger in my head. And I realized it's much bigger than just to do it with one film. You could do a whole platform. You could do it with several films. You could build a standard. And this is what we're trying to do here, basically creating the gold standard of digital collectibles for film and build the most active web-free um, film-loving and web-free-loving community around that. You know, I want to just stop you there because sure. as soon as you say the term NFT, would you agree that a lot of people automatically get turned off? Probably. What not, happens? Not, not <laughs> what ha well, Maybe first of all, like yeah. everyone's making so 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 NFTs is a huge industry right now, right? MBA, yeah. Sotheby's. We can talk about we will talk about what they are because a lot of people still don't understand what that is. But and and so you have you have you have so many brands that are making tens of millions of dollars right now, and it's just small in like collectible industry. It hasn't even begun it's like a butterfly in a cocoon still right but what happened that people were turned off by nfts a little bit not with you guys though you guys are successful but what happened there like six months ago is it just the whole crypto downturn in general so there was a hype speculators came in people bought nfts as an investment and to speculate now 
this crashed all down. So people lost money and the emotions connected to NFTs are now probably like the emotions to when you hear the word ICOs in 2018. Hmm. Because I remember that feeling about ICOs. Like you, you still won't even use that term ever. Like you see that term in a, oh, in a deck. Interesting, interesting. You might as you think, well. You think, you think the term is dead forever? For sure. Well, that could first be. First of all, every all people have done in the past few years are ICOs. They just re-termed everything and got more compliant in a regulatory way. Well, at least most people did. We have these dumpster fires of bankruptcies going on, but that's related to CFI. But but yeah, like that that term ICO of just like like putting up an Ethereum address uh, and just like telling people deposit money. And then that like way to do it, I don't know. I think that ICO is still happening, but that term kind of moved on. I don't know. Didn't they then just call them STOs or, yeah. or um, how, how are ICOs that are launched on the exchange? I like think that's a good way to term it. Yeah, like they call them. But it was basically an ICO yeah, ex- launched an exchange. So it's, it's a exchange offerings. But then you had, yeah. um, but then you had, um, what's it called? You had um, the way people do, you have security token offerings now that I like. Those are cool, but they're still small. Yeah. Like the security tokens market right now, there's very few platforms. You can go to like INX. My sponsor, Angel Block, is one of them. Uh, there's a few platforms where you can go, sign up. You have to prove your accreditation, which only 13% of United States households are actually accredited. And then even how many of them do you want to? So that's a very small industry. Those regulations hopefully will, will change and get a little bit easier. But then there's like the utility and governance token model, which is flourishing. But those are like positioned as layer one launches or layer zero or layer two launches, network protocol launches, fair token launches, where the money maybe go into a DAO. I don't really know that. We've we talked to so many guests who do things like that, but that's that's a whole different world too. But like you don't see that term ICO in a in a in a deck anywhere anymore. True. I, I think NFTs can come back. Oh yeah, no, right it's now, a great right now. I, I would yeah. I would but bet I think NFTs is not destroyed yet. Well, you guys are gonna have to re redescribe that term. Unfortunately, yeah. ICOs were contributed with like a lot of scams and fraud. Where NFTs yeah. is more seen as like a toy still. It's not, it's, it's kind of looked at like uh, still very new. Uh, but anyone who's smart will look beyond that and they'll understand that they look like toys to start, but they are almost unfathomably, bleh, I can't even pronounce it, unfathomably. Why? My English is not even my first language. They are, they are, as important, if not more important than, than anything. And they are just right now, like technically primitive. They're just very early on. Yeah. They, they can be anything. It's basically digital object. Maybe what could be a name. It's it, a data it wrapper. Can, it can be a piece of clothing. It can be to communicate your identity, your taste. It can be a piece of art, it can be a collectible and it can have utility and go all kinds of uh, things that also normal ERC 20 tokens do. It can do so many things that the term NFT for me it's it's more like the term USB like it's it's just such a it's just a technical standard that we that we use. Uh, yeah, because now you have it. It really is like all NFT stands for is non fungible token, and so yeah. really the only anything is an NFT, right? Anything that's 
any token that's non-fungible where one token is differentiated from another one, where it's like the old days of like having a billion tokens and one is the same, like, like this $1 bill is not differentiated from another dollar bill. They're one of the same. This is different. Yeah. And the, 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 the NFTs or the project the NFTs that become kind of famous or people know you probably in the future, you wouldn't name them NFTs. We don't, I don't name my, my cup of tea, um, <laughs> cup of tea physical object or my pen physical object. We don't, we know it's not fungible. It's, it's this pen. And you will say, yeah, I bought a CryptoPunk or I, I bought a movie shot or here, here's this and that. It's, it's objects. So right now, okay. of course, because we don't understand those objects, it's super crazy. Like most people don't understand what the hell is going on with this pictures that I can right click save. But then for some reason, some people think they own it because they have the NFTs. For most people, that's, we still have a lot of education to do in front of us uh, before before we can lose the term, I guess. So now that we've like, we've like figured out that the term, a lot of times it's these like terms that initially shy us away from things or prejudge us. What was the technical innovation that differentiated a non-fungible token from what we already understand crypto is? The non-fungibility. So um, if you, in the crypto world, um, a Bitcoin is fungible. One Bitcoin is like the other, like $1 is like the other. And a, a non-fungible token is a token like a Bitcoin, but it's not fun, it's not replaceable. I think replaceable is the easier term than fungible. Non-replaceable token. Like you have a watch that your parent gives you and it has emotional value. This is that watch. I don't want it to be replaced. This is this is my watch. And if you have a piece of art, it makes a difference. If you have this piece of art, or if you have a painting from another artist, it's it's something different. And the the interesting thing is that this now brings completely new people into the blockchain world because um, obviously blockchain is finance driven. So we have many finance people, and that's great. And now we also have. Basically, now it, it it has a lot to do with emotions, which of course we all humans, so we're all about emotions. But NFTs are for how NFTs are used now as collectibles, and I would say also community tokens because you are feeling part of a tribe, and that's kind of a, a feeling that's important to people, and obviously also a status symbol. So it has more to do with culture and emotion almost than with. Uh, than with tokenomics very often. I think almost every one of us is part of some like cultural tribe, whether it's like a church, a church, a mosque, a synagogue, uh, a, a rotary group, like the local Moose Lodge or something like uh, Freemasons, or it just could be something like really simple, like your local Frisbee meetup group, your football friends that you play. It could be the island that you live on. It could be anything that kind of like brings people together over like sorts, like a period of time. So we're all like part of these cultural tribes, if you will. And I actually love that term, like cultural tribe, because NFT is actually, the way I see it, NFTs are actually taking cultural tribes and relationship mapping them, if you will. And it allows like anyone to uh, transact IP, a synthetic asset, 
consumer digital good, identity token, voting rights, you know, property rights, but more importantly, like sometimes things that are not, uh, not subjective, more like your value within that tribe specifically that other people can't quantify. Absolutely. I mean, this, this is how humans are wired since there are humans. Like when you go really back into the time, we use different colors. We paint to our face to, to signal which tribe we belong to. And this doesn't mean that we now exclude other tribes because most um, people in the NFT uh, niche now are super welcoming, open-minded, even if you're not part of the community. And... Um, what was the last sentence you said? There was no, one I was thought that saying I had... the. Uh, uh, I was saying that it's. I know we get very deep into it. That it makes you feel like you're part of like a a, a second like a community. Ah, yeah, I know what I wanted to say. Yeah, so here, here's the interesting thing: if you never bought an NFT, this is super weird when you see a person who maybe spent a lot of money on an NFT and shows you just a picture in the internet that you know anybody could see and it makes no sense especially if you don't understand the technology it makes no sense at all because you can't own anything in web 2 and here's the interesting part when you own an nft and now i can only describe my own subjectivity here because it's about emotions um but what is is interesting that it feels really different to own an nft and if you own an nft and then meet persons that have an NFT from the same co collection, it seems that then um, it speeds up the relationship process. You feel connected to this person right more. And this is why I recommend to everyone, even if you're super skeptical, just to try it out by any NFT. You know, you don't have to buy the most expensive one, but it, it is a different kind of feeling owning an NFT, at least in my point of view. An interesting... And I want to point out too, like that term buy an NFT, a lot of people will get turned off by that. Where most of the time, like with you guys and with others, you'll there'll be drops and then there's mints where you're minting from uh, uh, the smart contract itself. Yeah. So we do it the same. So we do it, we basically put on a smart contract and you're going to mint it yourself. So it will be born the NFT will be born in your wallet, so to speak. You created it. And when I can just go a little bit here into movie shots, the, our current drop is Laurel and Hardy. Um, so a cl classic film, Way Out West. It was voted by the community. So the community could vote uh, with their tokens from the first drop, which was Run, Roller, Run, which one of two films should be the second one. And, and they voted uh, for this film. And the way we do the mint is in order. So the film will basically start at the beginning, first shot. And then when you mint an NFT, it's not just I buy a thing, but you are participating. And we we all together, everyone who mints the movie shot, works towards a goal. And that goal is getting to the end credits. And we kind of have a reenactment, a, a retelling of the story on the blockchain. I wanted to give a super good congratulations to our amazing sponsor, Angel Block, on the launch of the Angel Block Protocol. Congratulations, guys. I know it's a long time coming. Um, it's hard work, especially building in a bear market. And we've been talking about Angel Block for a while, 
But for those who don't know, uh, if you're a, a crypto investor, the Angel Block protocol allows for non-custodial and on-chain fundraising, transparent vesting, and automated token distribution. You could invest in startups, DAOs, protocols, multiple chains, agnostics, all these different things, but with increased security, post-raise governance, which for me is huge, milestones for funding, regulatory compliance, on-chain transparency. Now, on the other side, if you're a startup, you want to be on the other side of that because they can help you build out all of your technologies from your NFTs to your tokens. They have a huge community that everyone loves to be a part of, uh, receive advisory and mentoring, legal, legal, strategic, technical operations support, access to cap table management. I mean, this is the Web3 version of how fundraising and investing will take place. Angel Block Protocol, thank you guys for supporting my show and I hope you guys enjoy. It's so interesting because these communities out there really exist. You know, you, it's not just with like film lovers of some of these. I think there's every one of us, there's like one or two films that we just love. And if there was a, a forum post out, if there was a forum thread or a, a, a chat group of people who like not only love that movie, but it affected them in their lives at some point in the past uh, in such big ways. Uh, and it's fun to like reminisce and nostalgia. You'd want to be part of that community. But like larger than that, going back to the other like cultural tribes that we're part of, you know, just last week. So they have this thing in my neighborhood called like Cars and Coffee, where they all meet once a week. Uh, and they everyone just meets in the morning and brings their cars. It's this big parking lot and they have coffee. And it's just like a really, it's very kid friendly, but it's adults and it's everyone together. And it's a very like wholesome, great, hangout on a Saturday morning. There's donuts and everyone's having a good time. And they're just part of like a Facebook group. They don't own their community. And there's not much that they can do with it or from it. But there was a newspaper article talking about the positive effects that this Cars and Coffee has had over the young community in the area. Because it's just when they're not on the streets and they have something to look forward to, then it creates a positive, you know, ecosystem for them, especially around automobiles and learning like how cars work and things like that. I could totally see why, like what you're building would be great for just a community like that. Absolutely. Um, so here's the thing. I mean, if you have a Facebook community, theoretically, Facebook could steal your community, right? Oh yeah. They, they could, could turn they, you they, off right now and everything you they, built is over. They, 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 could, they could turn you off. And Web3 is, is all about ownership and, and really having also skin in the game and reputations. And so one use case for, for many NF, NFT projects is a PFP, which is a face. It's, it's your face on social media. And the interesting thing is that I believe this brings reputation into the internet because before NFTs, people on the internet are anonymous and, you know, um, not everyone is a good actor and there is not, not a lot to lose. But if you have, uh, if you have, doesn't need to be bought, but if you either like bought this PFP or maybe you earned it or you, at least you have it on Twitter. So you speak yeah. out for this community, then you have a face. So this also means you can lose your face. And I think this is the interesting thing that human behavior now can be changed in the internet in positive ways because there is more skin in the game when it comes to how do I behave 
towards other members of the community. And that is mapped. And because it's on a blockchain, you see the time continuum, time continuum of that. And what I mean by mapped, you're interacting with other of the NFT holders. And so like, you know, when you apply for a mortgage or a bank loan, they'll look at your community involvement sometimes. Like, who, what's your standing? Do you have the ability? Are you going to pay back your loan? Because that's what they want to know. So new home, you know, loan products that are launching now because home equity lines of credit are probably at the lowest level they've ever been. So that's just going to explode in the next few years, especially because home values have risen so much. People are not going to sell their homes. Rather, they're going to borrow against them. And so loan companies will need an easier and faster way to originate loans faster than their competitors and do it smarter with risk. And so if you had an NFT that mapped kind of who you are and what you did on the internet and your potential work and your job and your debt to income ratio, and of course, all the data is private, being part of a community like this could actually like benefit you because it could show that you're like a member of multiple communities. This is the interesting thing that now in, in the world we have now, we can build reputation, but we cannot transfer them all the time. Maybe ah, we are yeah. on eBay, right? And we sell stuff and have like all the stars. And then we go to another platform and they are, you know, I have no stars, no reputation. Um, I'm a foreigner. And yeah, I, I, I think this can connect and transfer, transfer of trust, basically, um, is something that could, can happen here. Oh my God, that's brilliant. I feel like I worked my ass off from like the ages of 16 to 24 building an eBay reputation. And I have all these stars and I have never one bad review and I built and I sold stuff and I bought stuff, but I couldn't transfer it outside of eBay. So what is the point of my stupid eBay five-star reputation? Turn it in, into an NFT and let me reputationally transfer that when I need to open up an account somewhere or do something that requires like a physical person to look over who you are. Why not? Yeah. And if you do it on the blockchain, then you also have a ledger that you can't alter the record. So this goes in handy together. What did you learn about film communities that keeps them around, right? So it's like everyone thinks that you just go watch a movie on your local streaming, on your TV. It's on in the background. You go to a movie theater, which not people do anymore. And there's a good movie. Every so often, maybe once every year, a few years, you see a good film. It stays with you. You remember it. You talk to people about it. I feel like when I was a lot younger, they were films that were like more impactful in my life. But maybe just that's like a product of the fact that it's for all young people. Maybe young kids today see movies that are going to like profoundly impact them in the future. And I'm just because I'm older, it doesn't phase me as much. What have you learned about these communities? So this is interesting. Um, uh I'm here on Facebook more, to be honest, when it, when it comes here, because I'm a big fan of uh, A24. And there are some really awesome communities. And there is this one group that's called Not at A24, but which basically is a group where we don't talk about films from the that are made or, or produced by A24. But because people that like A24 already have a shared taste, they realize that they can give each other uh, movie recommendations uh, that that work out. And I think this is very interesting. There are also some apps that I try out uh, called Taste and, and 
What is the other one? I have to look it up. So I think film recommendation is one very interesting thing. And when it comes to this collaborative experience of watching film together, um, I think we can, we're not, I didn't have here the best experiences yet that would be able to replace going to the cinema with friends and then going the beer afterwards and talking about it because that's something that I miss, especially nowadays that people don't go to the cinema that often. So I'm pretty sure that the local part, the in real life meeting part, will have to be a very important uh, uh, thing here, also with movie shots. How are you going to incorporate like the real world aspect into movie shots? So one idea is that we basically, when there is an NFT event, we also do a film event because uh, most of our community members or there's an overlap with now with NFT community or other projects. And we basically then, yeah, make one film evening, bring one film in the cinema that is from the time frame and location at the, those events. This would be one idea. And the other one would be, of course, to collaborate, to collaborate with film festivals, film festivals, film schools, institutions. There's cinema. just so much that you can do with the real world events, too, because now you have this community. Uh, which is traditionally sitting on these places that don't realize the value of what they have. Like you said, these like Facebook groups. And so while some people could look at the value of, of the business is like how much money you make in the short term, really it's the larger, the growth of the community, how many NFT holders you have that are issued by you. And I, and I want to just point out too, um, but isn't that, isn't that interesting? This is super interesting. I think. I mean, in, in the end, what, what can you do when you grow a community? It's, it, it can be super powerful. I mean, it, can be, it could be nation-like powerful. Not that um, we are building that now with movie shots, but in the end, you have people connected with a governance tool. And I think the, yeah, the possibilities are, are endless. And so, but we are, we are aware of, of what the tech can do. Um, we connect people by their taste. And from the very beginning, we implemented a voting tool. Now it's quite a simple voting tool. We let them decide on some things, but I want to have them say more and more. And I think the thing that you could do when, um, when there is a government's pool and they collaborate, they vote on something, probably there will be things possible that we can't imagine yet. Uh, one very obvious idea would be um, to have a film festival, to have governance here to have film funds, maybe more DAOs connect together. The movie shot community connects to, to other DAOs or companies or funds uh, and make a decision. Curation. Um, NFT is also a lot about curation. People now realize it's actually fun to be a gallerist. It's fun that I can decide that I have those 10 pieces of art and uh, this is my gallery. Before NFTs, you have to have connection to be a gallerist. And now this is basically open source to everyone who wants to participate. I know a lot of people who actually have that similar taste, like the 824 taste. I have a friend in Scotland who like makes these very similar type of like film noir style films. And he's like part of this immense community. He makes a lot of money just like making these, these like low budget horror movies, issuing like DVDs, streaming, comes with like a lot of like behind the scenes material, comes with the ability to like, 
you know, meet the the cast and the crew, uh, comes with the ability to like be a part of the process. And they're they're quite successful. Like they're a huge community. And we're just talking about, and I like the listeners to understand, like this is this is a lot bigger than just like filming content. This can be applied to anything, but uh we're just using kind of this as an example. Uh so back in 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 May, uh I was at the Cannes Film Festival. It was amazing. And you were actually on an official NFT Film 3 panel by uh, the Cannes Film Festival. What was that like? How cool was that? It was incredible. Uh, it was quite a big honor to be one of only seven film NFT projects to be invited there. It was like a highly exclusive brunch where they brought um, basically players, uh, producers, and uh, journalists, and it was perfect for networking. And then it, it was also interesting because I realized, ah, that uh, gatekeeping ha- can have advantages too. Sure. Yeah. And, and outside of this one event at Cannes, I mean, there were uh, inofficial film-free events every day, and they were absolutely great. So I met people that I... Uh, interacted with online for the first time, it was just great to see that the film-free community, people like Jordan Bain, Mihai, Miguel Faust, who is the first European who co- who, oh, yeah. brought, who funded his film with NFTs, um, to, yeah, to hang out and realize that that's uh, a really great community, great people, and a lot of positivity. So uh, I really love that, yeah. Yeah, it was so much fun. I uh, I got to meet you there actually, and and learn and you, about. And you, of course, Charlie. And yeah, you, of I course. got to learn about you, uh, the the business and and see. And I was really impressed that you guys had kind of bootstrapped, you know, your company. And and I bring this up as like a real lesson to like my listeners that uh, not only did you come out of uh, uh, crypto education uh, courses, but you also um, bootstrapped with your partner. Uh, your your whole business you're up to this point. Um, and I really appreciate uh, you inviting me to join the company as this, as an advisor, allowing me to like help you grow the business. And, you know, you're doing one or two drops. I want you to be able to do like 10 to 20 and not just do movie shots. I want to see you doing actor shots and maybe a lifetime movie pass. And we have all these gamification to promote like community growth and so many of these things that I, I love doing and I've done with crypto companies in the past. And now I get to work with you on a, on a day-to-day and weekly basis and, and the team. Thank you for, I appreciate that. It's, it's a super pleasure to, to have you as an advisor. And it's also an, an honor for me and it's super fun. Yeah. And I'm looking forward for the collaboration. So like, let's say right now, let's just say right now, you got a phone call from Avatar, the people who own Avatar, probably the highest grossing film in the past hundred years. What would you do? And how would you harness the Avatar community? Because right now that the, the, they're, they're out there and they're making millions and tens of millions on merchandise every single day. Right now, you go to the Disney store at the shopping mall, Avatar or whatever. They're making merchandise, DVDs, T-shirts and everything but there's no digital community out there. And so if you got that IP or to license it, what would you do with it? To be honest, if I get now on the call with James Cameron and he pushes technical boundaries with Avatar, then I feel like I would have to do the same and uh, I would love to talk to him, brainstorm and 
do something that has never been done before. I don't know yet what it is, but I have the feeling that I would like to research a lot into the technical stuff about how Avatar was made uh, and do something that from a technical point of view, um, yeah, goes goes completely new directions. He's there really is. into that. Like he's into the submarines and the green screens. Oh, I just rhymed. But yeah, no, he's really into the into the technical, like pushing the boundaries of what you can do in film and like what you can make the eye believe. It's really interesting kind of wh- where these communities go. So do you, do you notice is the community, you know, like people assume that, oh, you're holding an NFT. So now you're in this chat group all the time. That doesn't mean that, right? You don't have to be part of a community to be active day to day, week to week, or even month to month. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a variety on, on how communities work, for sure. Um, yeah, but a lot of people are here day to day, for sure. Really? It's... A, lot of, a lot of the, less, now less, um, especially after the FTX drama at the time of uh, recording, it's it's getting more silent and more calm and the Discord's getting more empty, for sure. But, people are uh, definitely nervous about things, yeah. Yeah. I remember, I mean, 2018 was when the emotions were not that, not that great for crypto investors. And that's basically the time where um, people just, you know, didn't didn't want to look at their money being less and less every day and just like started like doing stuff for fun. And, and those are the projects that became quite successful later on. So it's interesting, the the difference between 2017 and 2018, and then like, 2020 was that you had like some key technological breakthroughs and inventions, like, like the idea of a decentralized exchange. There was very little volume of anything on decentralized exchanges back in 2016 and 2017, but 2021, 20, you know, though that bull market, that's probably what created the birth of DeFi and NFTs and things like that. So right now people are feeling down, but what we don't realize is that the the boundaries are being pushed every single day. And if you just go follow some like crypto Twitter accounts and see the things that are being built, like go follow like Ryan Selkis from Asari and see this current state of like DeFi and NFTs and the metrics and stuff like that. Um, people are joining and it's growing and products are being built and companies like yourself are continuing to build and grow and do things. And we just don't know what the future is going to bring. But this is kind of what I'm getting at is like, how do you, how did you become comfortable with being uncomfortable? Because I feel like that's what people struggle with right now, myself included. I've been through so many of these bull and bear markets, but it's just so much easier to be comfortable with the known of the future. But when you're in the unknown, it just becomes uncomfortable and I can't be comfortable with it. When it comes to investment, I think time helps. Uh, I remember how it felt like um, 2018 when the portfolio goes down and it's it's different now. And it's, it's especially different for me now because now I'm more of a builder and I don't look at my portfolio uh, every day now. So uh, from just from a financial position and when it comes to life, I mean, this is interesting because since the movie shots started basically from I kind of just left my comfort zone and, and never found it and get got used to it. 
it's also the most exciting thing in my life. So, yeah. All right, man. And I, I really appreciate that. No, I, I appreciate that, that honest response because that's really what it is. It's, it's time. It's time. Yeah. We have to get comfortable with time. And, and the fact that our industry is so new, sometimes we, uh, we struggle with, but that's where all the opportunities are. Um, I hope today... I have to add one I, more thing also. Yes, add one I'm super, more thing. I'm, I'm super lucky with my team. I have so much supporters uh, all the way from the very beginning. And, you know, without them, like, this, this would just be scary as hell. And, yeah, so I was super lucky. Yeah. With people that believed in, the, in, in me and in the project. You really have a great team. I really hope today that we've uh, at least like turned the tide and helped change some people's minds on what they see the outlook in the future of the NFT. Yeah, I, I hope so too. We can can in, go into much greater detail if 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 you, if you want. I mean, when it comes to why why are we down? This is the interesting thing. It's because of an because people lost money that they didn't have custody about. So this is... And it's ruining it for the rest of the world. What? I said, and it's ruining it for everyone else. It's, it's ruining it. It's, it's really bad. It's bad that it's, uh, it's, it's this, this magnitude. But at the same time, and, and obviously a lot of people uh, lost a lot of money, which, which makes me sad. Um, and it didn't. It didn't say. It didn't say the technology still works, and the technology still is needed. So there is no. There's no reason that we don't need now uh, uh, decentralized infrastructure. Yeah. We need it. We need it. We need it. We need to build out Web three, and we need to build all this out and 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 grow. But not only that, it also makes us hardened people, and it makes us who we are. That if we can get through this, then we can get through anything. And it's like makes us better people. And I feel like stronger over time. And I love that. And, and so thank you for teaching us that today. I really appreciate it. Thank you that I can be here. Where, um, where, can, where can folks follow what you're up to and uh, uh, movie shots to Twitter and socials and everything? Yeah. So please go check out our website at movieshots.io and follow us on Twitter at, with our handle movieshots with a capital M and a capital S and join our community at discord.io slash film community. And if you, if you want to join the community and want to have a historical piece of film and participate and uh, write film and blockchain history, uh, you can mint a Rundler Run or a Laurel and Hardy movie shot at movieshots.io. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining this uh, first episode of the change name, the Charlie Shrum Show. We're still playing around with the idea, but I like it. Be gone that I can be here. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having me.